Hey, how's it going? Welcome to M5 Successful Friends. And uh, today I've got a very good friend, Tanya Heffen. How's it going? And uh, welcome to M5 Successful Friends. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on this chat with you. I'm very excited to be here. Good. So for many people that might not know Tanya, uh, Tanya is a mom. Um, she's a success coach. She's an author. She's a trainer. And we're going to jump in into a lot of what she does every day uh, and being a success coach and author and a trainer. But what is it that she, she trains? Um, but actually, Tanya, I met you at a networking session. That was my first time meeting you. But I had actually started seeing some of your posts on social media. And I was just wondering, like, what is this chick talking about? She keeps talking about financial freedom and things like that. And then I think it was about possibly maybe two weeks after then we met. And I was like, tongue tight yes. because I was like, uh, Tanya, hi, Tanya. Because in my mind now I recalled because I'd seen your face on social media with your videos. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Great. It was great to meet you uh, in person after just knowing you electronically up until that point. Yeah. And, uh, so, so that yeah, was my first time, and that was our first time uh, meeting up. Uh, that was at a networking session, uh, and a lot of people actually, you know, they kind of like shun away from net networking sessions, uh, and uh, it's a great place to meet people that you've never met, and, uh, and then thereafter, I mean, you can then connect to see whether there's anything in common, and uh, for us, we've got quite a few things in common, actually, by just meeting outside the networking session, so welcome to M5 Successful Friends, Tanya. Thank you very much, TJ. Thanks for having me. Cool. So, so Tanya, where, where are you from? What do you do uh, on an everyday basis? I mean, you're a success coach. How do you become to be a success coach? I'd like to unpack quite a lot of things because um, you're an individual, but with many facets into it. But, but who are you? Well, let's start at the beginning about where I'm from. I was born in Zimbabwe and then we came down to South Africa when I was about 11. And now, of course, South Africa is my home. I've been here for that long. Okay. And we invest in property in South Africa and in the UK. Yeah. And previously, uh, when I was growing up, I followed the proven plan. Go to school, get good grades, go to university, get myself a degree, get myself a husband, the white picket fence, the two kids, you know, I was following the plan. Everything was on track. Yeah. And then my husband said, no, well, we need to start investing in property. We need to start chasing this financial freedom. And that was quite a mindset change for me because I thought that if I had a good job and earned good money, then that would be all that I would need to do. Why do I need to be doing something else in my spare time? But we started investing in property. And then in time, I started to realize that property really is a fantastic way for you to be able to safeguard yourself against things that are in our economy inevitable such as retrenchment, such as small little companies coming along, small little upstarts coming along and disrupting massive companies, companies that we all know and love are vanishing before our eyes. You need to have many streams of income. And the first time somebody said to me, you need to chase nine streams of income, my mind was blown because I thought one stream of income would be all that I needed to chase in my life. In the same way that you would need one title, I'm going to be an IT consultant, I'm going to be an accountant, I'm going to be a lawyer. But I believe all of that has completely shattered around us. And I think we need to be, we need to wear many hats. We need to chase whatever brings us joy and whatever we feel is worth doing and worth contributing to the world. And by doing that, I think it enables you to open up this idea of having many streams of income 
and being able to go out there and get something that's going to inspire you and keep your family safe. That's one of my big things, making sure that if something had to happen to me, that our children would still be able to be educated, that our children would still be okay. And uh, just on that note, I mean, I'm quite against creating the, the trust fund babies where I would just have these rich little kids running around having fun <laughs> and mom and dad. No chance of that. They have to sit with us and discuss finances and they know all about property investing and they know all about starting a business and running a business and they're nine and 12 at the moment. So we involve them a lot to try and change their mindset and try and make sure that they hit the ground running in terms of how to generate multiple streams of income and in terms of how to look after themselves going forward. So that's oh. been, it's been a very interesting journey, the way that it takes you. I think once you start walking down the journey, start walking down the path, you have no idea as to exactly how that path is going to work out for you. All you can do is just keep walking forward. And then the most amazing things and amazing lessons come to you if you're just brave enough to keep walking and to keep learning and growing. Nice. So, so Tanya, you, you, you actually speak um, uh, about a couple of things that um, uh, fascinates me. Um, you know, whenever I meet people, uh, I think they, they, and I start talking about property, uh, so that's one of our common grounds, you know, both of us, we are into property. Um, when, when did you start uh, doing your property? We started investing in 2003 okay. and it was entirely incidentally. Friends of ours were immigrating to America and they owned a tiny little, well not so tiny, but a, they owned a lovely little two bedroom, two bathroom unit in Santon. Yeah. And we went along and had a look at it and we decided, well, why not, you know? So it was before children, we had lots of spare money and yep. we decided we would just buy this property. Because it was in such a great location and because they were prepared to give it to us for a good price, we managed to get good cash flow off that straight away. So nice. then we thought, oh, well, you know, why not keep expanding our portfolio? Then we started, we, we bought a, a property in Cape Town, which was, oh my word, that was one of the best investments we ever made. We bought it in 2004 for 460,000 Rand, which at the time was more than most people were paying for primary residences in Johannesburg. So everyone thought we'd lost our minds. But we bought this beautiful little unit in, in Cape Town, ended up renting it out. But then at some point, the, it stopped making sense in terms of our property portfolio because the property value was increasing massively, but the rental that we could get for that same property was nowhere near the value of the property. Because in Cape Town, a lot of people own property but don't live there. Yes. Anyway, my husband eventually persuaded me to sell it along with our property coach in 2015. So we bought it for oh, 460000 Pardon? I said you, uh, you mentioned a coach. You got a coach? Yes. yes, I've got coaches for all areas of my life. I've got my property coach, my business coach, my marriage coach. I firmly <laughs> believe if you want to get anywhere in life, you need to have a coach. So yeah. I rely heavily on coaches. So this is fascinating. So you're a success coach yourself. But you also have a coach uh, and multiple coaches. Multiple coaches. And I honestly believe that that, that is the way to go. There's yeah. always something more to learn and there's always another way to stretch yourself. Because I think as soon as you sit back and think, ah, oh, I've arrived, then yeah. you start going backwards. You have to keep pushing yourself and you have to keep growing all the time. And as you would know too, the best way to do that is to have a coach, to have somebody by your side holding you accountable and getting you to think new thoughts and dream new dreams and create a new life. 100%. So I, yeah. I rely, and, and, and also it was nice for us. My husband and I both had the same kind of knowledge about property. So having yeah. 
an independent coach come in and talk to us about our portfolio enabled us to look at things from a different perspective. So my husband, for example, had been trying to persuade me to sell Cape Town for years, but I was in love with that property. Beautiful yeah. view of a lion's head and wooden floors and tiny bit of a sea view if you stood like this on the patio. <laughs> I was completely in love with that property, which of course as a professional property investor is a bad idea. Yeah. But our property coach came along and said to us, hang on, have you seen how much money is sitting in this property? So we bought it for 460000 in in um in 2004 and we ended up selling it in 2015 for 2.7 million. Oh no, you are joking. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. My accountant phoned me and he said to me, Tanya, I wow. think you've made a mistake on the zeros here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't. So we were able to take that money and then go and start investing in the UK. And I think that's the important part about having a coach in looking at your property portfolio. It's never stagnant. You don't go out there and buy the properties and then leave them there. You've got to be checking once a year at least to say, is this property still making sense? Do I need to change my property portfolio up a bit? And at that stage, we had wanted to move to the UK, but how were we going to do that? Because you take your massive pile of rands and it becomes a tiny pile of pounds. And yeah. this was a way for to be able to unlock the capital sitting in that property and get us into the UK. So I was finally okay to let that property go. Oh, and then, and then, and then growing our portfolio from there, we've, we've got into commercial. We bought a, a, the Linden Hotel in Johannesburg. My husband converted that into offices and he runs yeah. his business out of there now. And yeah. then just buying houses, uh, putting cottages on them, just a whole lot of different things that we've been going along and doing throughout the, year, throughout the years as property investors. Yeah, good stuff. So, so um, from the conversation, you are married, you got kids? Yes, two daughters. Two daughters, okay. Two daughters. Bridget is nine and Kaylin is 12. Okay. And, uh, yeah, as any parent will know, they come along and just change your life completely. So, yes. change of focus, change of everything. But they are absolute delight in my life. Yeah. So, something that you speak of that is um, very close to my heart. Um, I remember when I started... Um, uh, almost trying to go into business. And this is almost like 10 years ago. Um, and shortly, just before that, um, that's when I had met my now wife and she was still girlfriend at that time. And I think my first business was two minutes before I got married. And um, uh, we were going to go into some computer sales and things like that. But I lost, I lost that money before the business even started because I went into a partner with someone. They went to China and never came back. And um, I remember that I was wearing a hat where I would come home and then talk about the business that I found out there, which is a business idea. And then I would almost like drag along my girlfriend and now the wife. And even though when I also got married in, um, in my first couple of years, that's what I continued doing. So the, the computers didn't work. We lost money. I recuperated a little bit. And then I started off doing some chicken, chicken business and... Uh, again, I brought the idea home, but you you speak of something else that I'm pretty passionate about and very close to these days, uh, especially within the, my last five years, where it almost sounds you and the husband, you were on the same journey of knowledge before you even dived in into the actual business. So the conversation should have been very easy. Um, maybe just let's just talk about that a little bit. I mean, I, I know it's it's been what almost 10 15 years ago 
Um, but how easy are those conversations, especially when you both have the same knowledge, seeing the same coaches that you spoke about, and then tackling the actual uh, business itself? For me, it's really important for, for you and your partner to be on the same page and whatever means you can do to get to that point is, yeah. is important. We had both decided that, well, we had a look at the situation and we said, if we continue doing what we're doing now, we're going to end up being like our parents and like everyone around us. And yeah. yes, they were managing to buy, but they were certainly nowhere near financial freedom. And things like retirement look a little bit sketchy and maybe a little bit scary. And yeah. we said, that's not the life that we want. We've got to be able to create something else. We've got to be able to create another form of wealth. Yeah. And uh, we actually many years ago went on a Hannes Dreyer seminar. And I remember going to him. It was a two-day seminar. I went to him on the end of the Friday, the end of the Saturday. And I said to him, I almost feel better um, not knowing what I didn't know. Because now that I know what I don't know, now I can see how much I've got to learn. And now it just feels completely overwhelming. And yep. he just laughed at me and he said to me, you know what, Tanya, it is hard work to be rich, but yep. you know what else? It's also hard work to be poor. So, oh, yeah, that's true. so you just have to decide what it is. And that really got me on this path of continuous professional development because I think a lot of people are of the mindset that when you finally finish school or even university, you close those books and you never open a book again. You're done with your studying for life. But actually, nothing could be further from the truth. We are students for life. You know, oh, until yeah. such time as we pull over into our grave, we need to be learning something new every single day and challenging ourselves. So Quentin and I managed to get onto that same path together and then start working on the path and making sure that we were aligned. And then, yes, of course, there's been some difficult points. This property in Cape Town is a perfect example. We spent many years fighting over that property. Him <laughs> telling me I wasn't allowed to be in love with the property and could I not see the potential and me telling him he was losing his mind. Our kids would go and study at UCT <laughs> and live the property. And so, yes, there's a, some difficulties, which is where I think a coach comes in really handy to try and keep it all together. Yeah. And then what we found as a family is we include our children in all of the conversations that we have. And we talk about it kind of seamlessly. How was your day? Throw in a bit of what happens at school, what happens in the business, what happens in life. So that it's not something that's unknown and there's enough money for us to be able to go overseas. And they know if there's, if there's not enough money and we need to tighten the belt some months because we're into some new investment. So they completely understand all of that. And I think that's really important. Our children are much more aware of what's going on than we pretend to acknowledge. So just keeping it all part of the family. But then the other thing that's important is one night a week, we make sure we have date night where we go out on a date and we do not discuss business. We do not discuss anything to do with the children and we just have a break to try and reconnect. Because of course it can become all consuming. I'm still struggling on that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a difficult one, but um, my marriage coach <laughs> said to me that it's really important because otherwise life just blows by and you kind of lose yourselves because not only are you focused on the children, you're focused on the businesses that you're working on. And then there's no time to just check in with each other and, and connect. So that became really important for us to have that time. Okay. You, you speak on something that is that I'm also kind of like, I don't want to say struggle, but I, I kind of like started it at a, at a, at a time. And then I, I then realized that, or, sh or should I say, maybe my thinking at that time was thinking that, you know, my kids are small. So I've got uh, my big boy, he's turning 11, and the small one, she's four. 
at, at what time did you guys start having the conversations with, with the kids um, uh, openly? I mean, my big boy now, we kind of like include him in decisions in terms of holidays and things like that. Um, but for you, what is kind of like worked with your, with the, with the girls? Well, I guess we had been investing in property before they even came along. So they were born yeah. into a household that spoke of property and spoke of money and spoke of, of that sort of thing. And from the first time that they could show any kind of talent, my eldest daughter is an incredibly talented artist. We would yeah. say to her, you can sell that property and make money. And in the beginning she was kind of, well, why do I need money? And then we would say, well, because at the moment you're in love with Lego and Lego costs a fortune. So I'm not buying you the Lego. What plan are you going to make to be able to get that Lego? That's so we've powerful. always tried to, to turn the conversation around to them. Uh, yeah. Now for my daughter's 13th birthday party, she wants to go skydiving. And I said to her, well, that's fine. If you want to go skydiving, what are you going to do to raise some money towards that? And she, she made a calendar last year, which she sold, and she actually ended up making 2,000 Rand off yeah. that, which was great. And then, um, but she still needs to raise another thousand rand. So then she's going, okay, well, I won't have a birthday party with all of my friends and I won't get any other presents, but I will try and sell some paintings to try and make up the balance of the money. So every time they want something from us or every time they need something, we're always turning it back to say, how can you make it happen? If I'm not here and I'm not giving it to you on a silver platter, what are you going to do to make it happen? Because I think it's really important, especially when you start creating wealth and you are wealthy and I could easily just afford to take her skydiving, whatever. I, I don't want to do that because it's, it's losing a, a great learning opportunity to say to her, that's nice that you want to do it. How much money do you have? What other plan can you do to make that money? So it's just constantly getting her thinking about that. And now as a result, I mean, watching that entrepreneurial spirit be born in them both, because I believe it's in all of us. It just gets dulled by all of our education, which is trying to teach us to follow a certain path. And now I can see her starting to do things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now I see her starting to do things like making Valentine's cards to sell at school. Or yeah. going along and figuring out all different ways that she can now start making money. So I think that it's never too young for them to be involved in the discussion. Sure, they don't have to sit around necessarily with you and your wife in the budget sheet, and look at it in that much detail from the age that they're at. But any time that they want something, want to get involved in something, then say to them, what ideas have you got? How could we raise money? Or where could we cut down on things? And yeah. then you'll be quite amazed. I mean, I've been very surprised at some of the times when we have been going through a rocky patch, then the children will come back with some really good ideas, you know? All right, well, I'll go and find something at the secondhand store, or maybe I'll, you know, borrow something, or maybe I don't need it after all. And yeah. I think it's important for them to get that balance of knowing what it's like to say, yes, we've got plenty of money, we're taking you to Disney World, but also, yes, we don't have money right now, what are you going to do to try and help the situation? Not save us in terms of pay the rent, but just if you want to do something fun with your friends, how are we going to get the money to do that? How are we going to make that happen? Yeah. Tanya, it, it, almost, it almost sounds like, you know, you... you um. Uh, if I look at the models of coaching um, and being exposed to a coach myself, I mean, I've, I've got a sales coach uh, because it was one of those disabilities that I had at the time. Uh, I couldn't, th this conversation would have never happened four or five years ago, you know, uh, just having a conversation with a stranger, kind of like, or should I say, when I did meet you at a um, network, networking session, that would have never happened because 
Um, I'm one of the, I used to be one of those introvert people. So having had journey with a sales coach and a property coach, uh, a business coach, yes, a relationship coach, um, I am almost seeing that the way you're raising your kids, you're being intentional and you, the parenting style that you're taking there is almost like a, from a coaching perspective, let them, let they explore. Um, and, and that's kind of like working for you there. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been wonderful to see how they start thinking differently. I mean, look, their friends think that they're mad. And a lot of the times when they go to school and start talking about things, they do think differently to how everybody else thinks yeah. and um, probably have different conversations, but their teachers love them because they're always challenging, uh, uh, not, not necessarily challenging every single word that the teacher says, but they want to know more. They want to understand more. They've got a different way of how to process things because we are constantly challenging them. Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? What yeah. made you do that? Or where do you think that's going to get you in life? So we're constantly giving them those kinds of, of thought processes and challenging them. And they watch us go through that too. And they've been watching me start up my business. And that's been a, an interesting learning curve too, because when I stopped working in corporate and started working at home, about a month into it, we were sitting around having breakfast. And my eldest daughter said to me, mommy, what is it like to do nothing all day long? And I just, I mean, I need to be laughing because I was so far from doing nothing. But I, had, I realized that I hadn't brought her into that part of the process. I hadn't told her what mommy does during the day, what it takes to start a business, the kind of hustle that you've got going all the time. She just yeah. sees me at breakfast and then she sees me when I fetch her from school and then it's all about them. And she wasn't understanding the bit in the middle. So um, that was a good wake-up call for me too because I think children are our best teachers. We just have to listen to what they say. They've got no filters. They don't, there's no social niceties. They just say what they're thinking. And yeah. if you just learn not to be guided by them and yeah. uh, be open to the challenge that they throw at us all the time, then I think you can learn so much from them. Yeah. Tanya, let's speak about, um, you, you, speak, you, you speak of that when you left corporate, which actually means that at a particular time you, you worked a normal nine to five. Uh, yes, so you, 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 you were not just born and then boom, you're a success coach, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that version though. <laughs> so at some point, you, you had a manager, a supervisor, whatever it is. What was your previous, like, uh, your previous life uh, in the corporate? What, what did you do? As an IT consultant, I worked as a SAP consultant. Yeah. And uh, basically, when I, when I left Varsity, I decided that I needed to get myself a job. And then if I was going to have to be working, then I need to make sure it's the most highly paid job that I could possibly get for my skills. Yeah. And for me, that was becoming a, a SAP IT consultant. And I stayed doing that for many years. And of course, there's always going to be aspects of everything that you enjoy. I enjoyed working within people. I enjoyed the challenge that it gave me. But I didn't enjoy somebody telling me whether I could stay home because my children were sick or whether I could have time off or not. So I started contracting, which gave me a lot more flexibility. But at some point, I decided that I am really passionate about teaching people how to find different streams of income and how to get to financial freedom. And that's what makes me feel more inspired than sitting in a cubicle trying to figure out how to make an IT system work. So I decided to, to leave that. And uh, I wrote a book, Escaping Corporate Bondage. And now I coach people how to invest in property. And I also coach small businesses. I've got an online course called uh, Side Hustle Online Academy where yep. people work and work through, through the product over three months. 
to take their dream and turn it into reality. So I'm not about come to me and I'll give you a hustle. I'm about the people of South Africa are very creative. Everybody's always got a great idea. Bring your idea to me and I will show you how to monetize that idea and how to start making it uh, your new main hustle. Yeah. Um, all about getting people to understand that, that you can start wherever you are. You don't need to and you certainly shouldn't jump from corporate until such time as you've got a really good, strong, sustainable alternative cash flow. And I see a lot of people doing that. Oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. I'm going to jump. And then they do jump and then they realize that there's so many things you could have been doing while you were sitting in your corporate job, particularly now. Social media is a thing. You need to be building up your following. You need to be building up your knowledge. You need to be understanding a whole bunch of little things that you could have easily done while you were sitting in corporate so that when you do jump, you're set for success and you have got that income stream coming your way. Nice. So working through with some of your students that are coming through into these programs, um, uh, if we are to do a, a, a weekly leak here, um, what, would be, what would be some of the things that you'd say top three are the kind of things that you are seeing people are doing as a hustle? Um, just to give an idea of someone out there who's like saying, well, there are no opportunities out there for me. Oh, I think there's so many opportunities. And again, that goes back to a mindset thing. You yeah. just have to, and this wasn't one of my students, but I went to Joburg Day recently, which is a big concert that they have in the park. And yeah. there was a guy wandering around with a backpack and a camera, and he was taking group photos of people. He'd take his backpack off, he had a little printer in his backpack, and he would print out the picture, you know, one of those old type photos, print out the picture and give you a hard copy for 30 bucks. On the spot. On the spot. And I was so wow. impressed with him because here's everyone else sitting around going, there's no opportunity. Here's this guy managed to get himself into this festival. There's 15,000 people. Obviously, yep. everybody's got cell phones, but who's taking that group photo and who's giving you a hard copy of it? Here's this man. He's doing it and he's getting 30 bucks a photo. So I'm just so impressed with people who realize that there's that potential because there's a lot of complaining out there. If it's not the economy, then it's I'm too white, I'm too old, I'm too young. I'm too this, I'm too that. I don't have the qualifications. Yeah. A lot of my students tell me I'm not qualified. And I say, absolute BS, belief system. Yeah. You don't need to be formally qualified anymore. <laughs> absolute <Yes>. BS, <laughs> belief system. <laughs> you know, there's the University of YouTube. There's your life experience. Oh, and if yeah. you can go out there and start teaching people and start impacting people's lives based on that, then go right ahead and do it. Don't wait for somebody to come along and go, oh, well done, you know, you are now the master of whatever, and you are now qualified to go out there and teach people. So just coming back to the kinds of hustles that, that I see my people doing. Yeah. A lot of them have had a book in them for years that they've never managed to get out. And now two of my students have, have um, well, one has published a book. The second one is just quite close to getting it done. And that's really fantastic to finally realize that dream. That's very important. I've had a couple of coaches come through that are just out there coaching in various different kinds of fields. Yeah. One guy has, has come up with this great idea where you've got a mobile shop front. So for the hawkers on the side of the roads, it's like a little box with a glass display and you just move that around everywhere with you and that's your mobile shop front. Again, you know, yeah. genius plan. But people who are doing um, functions on the weekend, so they're hiring out all the kinds of equipments and things that you need to do for that. Yeah. DJing on the side, uh, one of my students um, got into cannabis oil and cannabis cream production and yeah. now cannabis training, which is just fantastic. That's just taking off. I mean, that's really a topical thing to be involved in at the moment. 
Yeah. So it's just a matter of people coming along to me and saying, what is it that, oh, and lots of beauty products, you know, hair products, face products, yeah. that kind of thing. So wait, wait, to, to I, did, I did say three, Tanya, you, you kind of like giving sorry. the whole list there. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I get so attached to my students and I'm so proud of them. And then I just get I started. Oh, this one and this one. And oh. <laughs> Working with someone closely for three months, you get quite close, you know? Oh, yeah. So, um, I get attached to them. Yeah. So, so Tanya, let me take you back, right? Um, so, so you're a mom, uh, you've, got a, you've got a husband, uh, two kids, so your struggle is just as real as, real as so, so many of us. Um, and now you are in the corporate um, and you've got a coach. How do you then start balancing the two? So you've got your property business. I don't know at that time whether you were seeing it as a business or whether it was just a hobby and the Cape Town family home. Um, and from a mindset perspective, how do you actually start juggling the two in terms of you've got a job, you're contracting, you have to deliver a lot of people. I used to be in that space before. Um, and there is deliverables that needs to be there, targets and things like that, you know, and there you are on the other side, you've got a business that you're trying to get off the ground. Uh, and I see, you know, a lot of people, you know, that's where they're struggling in, but how did you overcome that if you had to look back in your years when you were doubling up? It was definitely a matter of commitment. It's really about how badly do you want it? And are you prepared to do today what others won't do so that tomorrow you can have what others won't have? And oh, that, the hard that's it. You just said it all. <laughs> it's, it's really, that's it. It's just how badly do you want it, you know? And yeah. the interesting thing for me was when I made this commitment to do this, a lot of my friends and even my family were yeah. they would say to me why are you doing it why are you working so hard why don't you just relax why don't you yeah. you've had a tough day why don't you just relax on the couch watch a bit of tv why don't you come spend some time with us over the weekend and i would say no no i've got these goals i must go do them and they were completely dumbfounded by my determination and resolve to make it work but i had the bigger picture in mind and for me it was really important to say what is it that i'm doing and why am i doing it for me it was to make sure that i could spend time with my girls because I could be at their sporting events. I can fetch them from school because let me tell you all of the story about uh, just spend quality time with your children. It's nonsense. It's just spending time with them. And my relationship with our girls has changed so dramatically since I'm just all I'm there, you know, so they don't have to think carefully about what it exactly. They don't have to think carefully about what it is that they're going to share with mommy today. We've got the whole afternoon for them to just chit chat and, oh, mom, this was so much fun, or oh, mom, can you help me with this, or, or whatever. It's a different relationship because there's time and there's space. So my priority was to make sure I could spend time with the girls. So I had to look at where were there other buckets of time that I could spend building up my knowledge and building up my financial pot. And then as a result, you have to commit, you have to make it a habit. For me, every single Monday night, we sit and we talk about property. We've got our, our evenings carved out. Thursday night would be date night. And that's what we stick to. And in the beginning, people would say, oh, that is so boring. I could never bear going into a week knowing that that's what's coming my way. But it's the only way to get things done because otherwise days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years, and you don't get to your goals. Yeah. You have to be serious about it. And you have to also ignore all the naysayers and, and then start surrounding yourself with people who are on the same mission as you because your previous friends would probably try to pull you back. Come on, man, let's go out for a minute. Movies, let's go out to dinner. Let's go talk nonsense. Let's go talk about what everyone else is talking about. And yeah. I'm always saying, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to be thinking about that. I'm on a different path. Let's talk about something that's 
expanding our universe or expanding our minds, then I'm in. Otherwise, I'm from home learning, you know. So it's, it, it was a sacrifice and a commitment, but it, it was how determined was I, and I was very determined. Cool. Tanya, you, you speak of saying that, um, you know, so you need to find people that are in the, in, in, in the same circles or in the same mindset as you are, right? But where do you find these people, you know? For, so, for instance, um, I, like, Joburg is so big. I mean, you and I, we stay in Joburg, but where do you find those people? You're just starting off. Uh, you don't know any John from no Susan. So where do you start off from by just meeting like-minded people? Exactly. So of course, online is a great way for you to be able to go and find people. But online can be a bit like a rabbit hole. You know, you start looking online for groups that you might be interested in and you suddenly find yourself on Pinterest or on Facebook in five hours of time. Yeah. So for me, one of the best ways of, of doing it is to find networking events. And you can look on something like Meetup. Again, you can look on something like Facebook. And go along to these networking events and meet the people because no matter what you are interested in, there's a group of people out there waiting for you. And then as soon as you're around people who are like-minded, suddenly you've got plenty to talk about. And one of the things that I coach people around with my side hustle is go into a networking event with something useful to ask. Go and say to people, what is the one goal you want to achieve by the end of the year? Or what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? You know, yeah. Go with a question that's going to open up the conversation. So we're not just saying, ah, oh, you know, geez, it's getting cold. I can see winter's coming. <laughs> or, you know, nice shirt, cool beard. You know, yeah. we want to talk about something that's going to get the conversation moving a lot faster. And that those kind of open-ended questions get you to know the people faster and get you to just start having conversations so you don't go along to the networking event and stand against the wall as a, as a wallflower hoping no one notices you. Or stand yeah. at the bar having a couple of stiff drinks to give yourself the bravery to go up and speak to anyone. You know, go in there with a plan, go in there with a couple of good questions and push yourself out of your comfort zone. I mean, I'm all about doing that. I find I'm always about playing at the edges. What is scaring me? Okay, great. I'm going to go and do that until it stops scaring me. And that's the way to keep expanding your life. Because if, you, if things make you feel a little bit nervous, make you lie awake at night worrying about it, make your heart jump up into your chest, that's exactly the thing you should be going out and doing. You know, don't let that fear make you decide that it's much safer at home and actually Game of Thrones is going to be worth watching tonight. You know, get out there, start pushing yourself because that's how you start growing your life. Good. So, so I took a break uh, for around about, uh, I, I had a couple of goals uh, before I jumped off from corporate. Um, and for me, it wasn't just about jumping off from corporate. I think it was more around how do I find an, an alternative lifestyle? the one that I want, the one I want to create. And when I started off, I was 5 million under. I had made some bad mistakes. So I had a hoovering 5 million that was on me together with my wife. Um, and, and when I jumped into property, I was trying to solve for that. And when I managed to solve it, then I realized there's actually more, you know? So it turned out into something else that I wasn't even expecting at all. Right, but you speak of something else that is that is also close to my heart. Where you speak of, um, for instance, when you go into these networking sessions and you get there and you are uh, you are that person that is just standing there. You're the flower. Uh, when I started off going into networking sessions, I actually didn't know what to go and do there. Right. Um, so my first couple of uh, networking sessions, I went in, I sat at the back, and I kind of like just observed. 
and people were greeting me and I had one answer question, uh, answers, hi, I was going, hi, good. And then I'd move on, right? Then I realized that the more I started coming through into networking sessions, there were actually a few people that were actually doing very well. And I started mimicking some of those people and I would see, they would go and meet that person, get a card, move on, go and meet that person, get a card. And, and there was one guy that I asked like, why are you collecting all these cards? And he said to me, well, I'm here for business. Then I realized, oops, so this guy is here and is actually intentional on why he's here. So he yeah. wants something out of it, right? Um, and I started reading books about networking. There's a whole bunch of books out there one can read about networking. Um, and um, what I then realized is that I needed to come to these rooms very intentional. What am I there for? What am I wanting to get out? Um, and when I am done, then I can do that. And, and surprisingly enough, Tanya, uh, when I was working in the corporate, uh, I used to do change management. Those are the things that I do at the corporate. But for some reason, I never took what I was doing in corporate and take it out, right, into my normal world. And a lot of people don't marry the two. So, for instance, um, there was, uh, they opened up for people to talk in the networking session. For some reason, I had the biggest stage fright ever. But yet, in the corporate world, this is what I do. I stand in front of executive, I sell ideas, right? I take people on a journey from when they don't know into when they are loving the product, whatever it is. And there I was now in a networking session, but I'm getting tongue-tied. I can't even pronounce my own name, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think when I started connecting some of those things and saying, well, at work I do this, why am I not doing it outside? Then I started borrowing. I realized that at that particular time, I have so many, so much skills that I can borrow from what I know now and which actually means that I am now only left with maybe an X percentage to get to the next level, but I'm actually coming into this with so much skills. Yes. And that took me about six months to a year to figure that out on my own without anyone telling me, you know? Yes. But, 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 yeah, go ahead. That, that's a great learning. And I think it's, it's really important because there might be people listening who are thinking, okay, well, I want to get into property, but I have zero knowledge about property. But actually, you're an expert in so many other parts of your life. You don't need to walk into property or any other challenge that you want to walk into and say, oh, but I know nothing in this field. Because yeah. then if we say to ourselves, then we start behaving as if we know nothing. We start behaving like we're nervous. We start behaving like we're shy. Like, oh, I don't, I'm so in awe of everyone around me because, you know, I'm just beginning and you guys all know what's going on. We actually do bring a whole lot to the room and we do bring a whole lot to the table. And of course, we have to fake it till we make it. So we've got to walk in there confident. We've got to walk in there backing ourselves. And we've got to walk in there acknowledging all of the many skills we've learned in our lives up to date. Yeah. And how relevant they can be in any game that we go into. So I love that insight. I think that's really useful. Tanya, it will be sinful of me to close the session without us having to speak about a property deal. Right. Um, right. So because you and I, we, we, our strong background and the areas where we have found financial freedom is mainly in the property space. Um, and uh, I've taken property as a business. Uh, I'm in multiple cities now. I'm here in Joburg, in Durban, Cape Town, uh, and in Pretoria. 
uh, and it's working for me, but I specialize more in the buy to let. So I buy, I renovate, uh, and I, I then rent them out. And then sometimes if uh, I can afford to refinance, I refinance. So that's my cool model. I, I call it my own BR4. I know other people call it. But that's, that's my model. Uh, that's the Tarai model. And um, that's what I enjoy doing. And in all of this, I am living off the cash flow that's coming out of these properties, right? And that's how I have now realized my financial freedom. And um, basically, my financial freedom was quite basic. Uh, my 101 financial freedom, because I believe that financial freedom is in stages. Um, but my stage number one was I need to get rid of the bad debt of the five million, of which I achieved mm -hmm. that whilst I was still in corporate. My number mm -hmm. two was that I needed to have a cash flow that enables me to look after my mother without having to um, get money out of pocket that I achieved whilst I was in corporate. Then I said to myself, I need another or another financial freedom stage. Number three is my wife doesn't need to work. I need my wife to be available, but she can do whatever she wants. She's got a business and she does training and uh, coaching and things like that. And then my stage five was to replace my own salary. And, and that's, that I did, and then I was able to say adios uh, to, the, to the employer. And, um, and, 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 and that, that just gives a different set of mind. I didn't know that until I started now living it. So I'm running so many projects. I don't need to be there. I've got systems that work, and uh, I am loving it. At the moment right but on the other hand no way have i ever thought about so where where's the food going to come from because mm -hmm. my 101 financial freedom i have reached it which is i have that income so my lifestyle is not going to change you know i i am all for jesus so i go to church and i was telling the guys at church that look i've jumped off my employer but my my contributions to my tithe and so on all of that is going to remain the same. If not, it's going to go up. So I have no financial impact on my, on my lifestyle. And property has done that for me. Um, from your side, what was your financial freedom? What was your 101 financial freedom look, look like uh, back then? I think you've just spoken about such an important thing, um, Tarai, because a lot of people say they want financial freedom or they just want to be rich. And if I say yeah. to people, why do you want to be rich? They, they just look at me like I'm mad. I'm coaching a group of graduates at the moment around financial wellness. And I ask them questions like this and they look at me as if I've just crawled out of cheese when I say to them, why do you want to be rich? Because everybody knows they should be rich, but why? Like, what are you going to do with that wealth? Yeah. And then break it down to like what you said, doing something, doing over the, taking over the small things. Maybe it's enough to pay for the kids' school fees. Then maybe it's enough to pay for the school fees and the extramurals. And then maybe it's enough to pay for groceries. And you build it in a way that your brain can comprehend. Because if I say, I need to make 100,000 rand a month for property, my brain is constantly going to be telling me, well, that's completely ridiculous. You're never going to get there. At the moment, you're making 5,000 rand a month for property. How are you going to jump to 100,000 rand? Whereas if I make it smaller and more achievable and build on that, then it becomes believable and then it becomes something that I can chase. Yeah. So for me, that was really important around the property to start saying and, and becoming clear on what your expenses are, because I think a lot of people aren't clear on what their exact expenses are. A lot of people go to the ATM and it's a bit of a surprise when, you know, is the ATM going to give you money? Or is it going to send you 
you know. So so a lot of people have a very loose relationship with their money and it was time yeah. to get clear about what it is that I actually need to be covering every month. Uh, so if I'm not working, is my medical aid still being covered? Are, are there still groceries on the table? Are the school fees paid? So mine started out as a basic thing like that. But then, of course, once you reach that point, then I say, okay, now let's look at my lifestyle. I love to go on holiday. I love to be able to go and eat out. I love to be able to buy nice clothes. And then you start making sure that you can build up on that to start taking over from that point of view. And sure, there's times when you're going to be taking all spare available money and putting it into a project that you're working on, which I'm sure you experience too. And yeah, all the time. When you're really tight, you know, like a salty crack month. But yeah. then, you know, the next month we're back to having it sorted. So for me, it was also a matter of breaking down the, um, I, I just knew I wanted to have time with my girls and then I had to work backwards from there. So you need to set yourself a goal. What is it that you want to be doing and why? So initially for me, it was, okay, I need to spend time with them three hours in the afternoon. How am I going to replace that income of those three hours that I'm not there? And then it starts building, building, building from there. So I think the best way to do it is to just set yourself small achievable goals because yeah. there's some kind of magic when you achieve a goal, you feel all inspired and you carry on achieving further goals. Whereas if you set a goal up here, you're going to find yourself just lying back on that couch watching Game of Thrones with a glass of wine in your hand and thinking to yourself, it's impossible. That's for the lucky people. It's never going to be for me. So you have to bring it back to a point where you can relate to it and where you feel that you can chase it because then that's when it starts getting interesting and that's when the magic starts happening. And I honestly believe the, the most important part about having a goal is the kind of person you become while you're chasing that goal. The goal in the end almost is irrelevant. You look back on it and you say, wow, look at everything that I've done and look at everything that I've achieved and look at who I am now. I'm so different to the Tanya who set this as my goal. And then it's exciting to say, okay, which next goal am I going to set? And then who am I going to become on the way to that goal? So it's really a matter of just becoming clear about your life and living intentionally, we've spoken about that quite a lot today, being intentional about raising the kids, about looking after your money, about where you are going with your life. You've got one shot at it. So let's make sure that you are doing it in the way that you would like to be doing it. Cool. Tanya, on that deal, uh, give me a best shot, uh, a very interesting deal that you've done not so long ago. Um, if you do have numbers, yes, let's share the numbers. Uh, how creative did you did you do that deal? If there is any deal as well, that uh, any deal that you can share with us uh, in terms of whether it's a buy to let or it's a flip, um, just just throw it out there for us. I'm working on a deal at the moment in London, yeah. which is fantastic. We found this distressed property, but yeah. like properly distressed, and it had been lying there for years and years and years. And one of our business partners drove past it every day on the way to work. Eventually, one day he jumped over the wall and found someone in the property. It was the attorney who was managing the deceased estate. And this property was in such a state. We managed to get it before it went to auction, which was a, a great luck for us. Okay. Uh, it was in such a state that the banks came along and had a look at it and refused to give us any money at all, which took wow. us by surprise, even as professional property investors, because there were cracks, foundational cracks. The roof was damaged. Well, yeah. We could see the potential, but the banks couldn't. So that was an interesting not, learning. Not even, not even the land. They never gave you even the value of the land. They were just not interested. So we had wow. to call in our architects and yeah. um, come and have... We, we knew, obviously, up front, we'd done our homework and we knew that the structural damage was caused by a huge tree that was leaning up against the house. So we had to go in and put quite a lot of money into the house before the banks would give us finance, which they then did. 
And yeah. then we converted it into uh, almost like a bit of a multi-let. There's two, got, two cottages at the back, which we rent out, and then the house is shared accommodation. And while we did that with a view to doing a development on this piece of property. So yeah. it's on the corner of a very busy road in Linden, and we're going to put six two-bedroom flats on this piece of land. Wow. Uh, we bought the property for a million rand, and then we've put about half a million in, uh, yeah. in terms of picking it up and getting it sorted. And then we're, we're in the process of getting the development in place. So we're going through all the stages now, dealing with objections from the neighbors and dealing with council and dealing with everybody else. Yeah. And once we get all that approval in place, we're going to do the development, six two-bedroom units, which we're going to sell for one and a half million rand each. And uh, that's super exciting. And obviously the plan around there would be to build the first unit, get the people in to buy it and start using their money to bankroll that one. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. We went into partnership with somebody. I only ever go into partnership around property if we plan on flipping that property. I never hold property with anyone other than my husband. And yep. it's just been a great, a great learning experience about trying to get it in. Uh, now dealing with tenants living in close quarters like that and um, dealing with objections from the neighbors and council and how long that can take. Because I think one of the key things is if you want to jump in and do a development, you can't underestimate the time and cost required to get that development approval through. But I think in the long run, it's going to be well worth it. And we've managed to gear the property to a point now where it's putting money into our pocket every month. We're saving that money, which is going to contribute towards the many fees that are heading our way when we do a development on that. So that's a lot of fun. Cool. And that's occupying headspace at the moment. So, but all good. Nice. So Tanya, I meet a lot of people that want to jump into developments and they say to me, TJ, we want to do a development. And my normal question, I've got a standard question. Have you ever done a one flip? And they said to me, no. And then I say, but you want to do a, uh, a development? And they say, yes, but there's good money in it. What's your advice? Uh, I've done a development. It has been a lot of school fees. Um, yeah, but uh, from your perspective, from my perspective, I would say don't even start thinking about doing a development unless you've done at least five property deals because you have to understand the process and you have to be very familiar with how things are coming because there's going to be endless surprises coming at you when you're doing this development anyway. You yeah. don't want something as basic as how to structure the offer to purchase or who are the role players or how do I get finance. All of those things must be crystal clear in your mind before you go and jump into the development and start having to deal with that because that, of course, is now next level. And make sure that you've got a decent chunk of money. You have to have, I would say, you're going to need to make sure you've got at least 150,000 Rand lying around to just yeah. start into all of the developers' fees, all of the council fees, and all of that kind of thing. And you need to make sure you've got plenty of time. And what's happening with that piece of land while you own it and while yeah. the development's taking place? Yeah. You know, can you afford to carry those holding costs, pay for the development, pay for all of the admin fees around it? It's huge. So I think that it's a great way to make money, sure, but it's also a fantastic way to burn yourself properly. Yeah. And I think it's definitely something that you need to take your time. You know, learn to crawl, learn to walk, then learn to do developments. Don't jump into it. It's going to put you off property for life. There's yeah. a lot to juggle. There's a lot of admin and there's a lot of hidden expenses. So take your time to work through the process. Get yourself through those five property deals and then you're going to go in feeling much more comfortable and much more capable of taking it on. So I see on this particular deal, you, you're almost like approaching it uh, from, from, um, 
from a mammoth tusk and you're eating it in small chunks like would eat an elephant uh, so you bought the land uh, and then you got a partner and out of that then you sort of like renovated it and now you've got tenants on the property paying you some rent yeah yeah exactly uh, and now out of that rent rental income without knowing whether it's covering all the bills there um but for me i wouldn't even touch it if it wasn't um cash flowing making profit and i would then maybe utilize that money and start doing the legwork from the municipalities and so on to get my uh, to be compliant um now from your perspective uh, that's kind of like how I'm seeing the processes unfolding there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's very much a, a in-stage thing. Uh, it, so developments take a really long time. By the time you get the council approval, and then you have to get all the builders on site, and you have to break ground, lay foundations, do the building, and then it's the weather, and then it's the strike, and then it's the whatever. There's just, yeah. it's a time game. So... What are you going to do with that piece of land while you're waiting for that time? And that's why we got tenants onto the property. They're all on short-term leases. They're all young students. They all yeah. want to live in London, but they can't afford to live in a nice place. So we yeah. made it decent, but I mean, it's not outstanding, but it's decent. So they're very happy to pass money to be there. And they know it's a short-term thing. They know that we're looking at doing a development. And, um, and then it can just roll. You know, you start off on six months and then you go, okay, now we're going to go another six months because it's still taking time, roll month to month. The main thing is to make sure that you're not digging yourself into this deep pit of financial disaster, which can happen so easily with the development. If you end up having to hold the property for a year to 18 months and then have to find the money to do the development, you're going down hard. So you have to make sure that you are juggling it as much as possible. How can I make money out of this asset while I'm waiting for the government, well, not the government, for the municipalities and all of the planning approval and everything else to be completed. That's going to be the safer, sensible way of approaching it. Cool. Tanya, it's been awesome chatting with you. Um, you. Some fascinating topics that we have covered. Um, I wasn't thinking that the, 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 the conversations would turn into kids, into business, uh, into family, <laughs> into, um, as my African friends would say, the hutas and hutas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, it does feel like we could talk for days. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can. Um, but thanks a lot for having us and uh, thanks for coming through on the Empire Successful Friends. Um, you, you have done it. We always say that, you know, if ordinary people like you and I can do it, um, some of the audience, some of the people that are listening in here, are much cooler than you and I, what can they possibly do with what they have, which we actually don't have? So thanks a lot for coming through. Uh, where do we find Tanya? If anyone is saying, well, I need a coach, a success coach. I need to start my side hustle. Where can we find, uh, where can we find you? I'm happy to put in all of the, the details that you're going to share onto our notes so that, you know, mm -hmm. they know confusion between a, a T and an S um, when, when we're talking. Um, but where can we find you in a, in a short, short snippet? I, um, I have my website, uh, tanyahaffern.co.za. You can find me on Facebook at Escaping Corporate Bondage, and I'll send you that link as well. And I also have a side hustle YouTube channel, which I launched last week Friday, 
where I interview entrepreneurs every, um, well, we release a new interview every Friday, and that's a vodcast, so a video interview, which is a lot of fun, and we shoot that in uh, my husband's studios in London as well. He's based in London. And uh, so find me online. I'm all over the place. I do yeah. daily live. I do, I put all kinds of posts out there just to keep everybody on track. And I think one of the benefits of being on this journey is the more you put things out there to keep other people on track, the more you keep yourself on track too. So for me, it becomes a win-win situation. It's a reminder to yourself to keep pushing and chasing your goals and hopefully a reminder to everybody out there who's part of my tribe to keep hustling as well because the hustle is always going to be worth it. I need to speak to your sales coach. Uh, you're not saying anything about your book? Oh, my book is there, <laughs> of course. But how can I forget my book? Wearing so many hats. My book is available for sale through my website. I do have hard copies. And if anybody would like a hard copy, I'm very happy to sign them for any of your listeners and get that posted off to them so they can get in touch with me through my website. And I'm very happy to share that. My book is also available um, as an ebook. It's available on Amazon or get your hands on the hard copy so you can lie in the bath and read all about how to escape corporate bondage. Nice. What is the price range of your books, Tanya? My books, I'm selling the hard copy for 100 Rand. Oh, and that, uh, that's nothing, Tanya. That's like not even right? money. I'm all about changing the world through my message. Nice. So get your hands on the book. And then, of course, the book, if you like what I have to say and you like my style, then let's see if we can work together and see if I can start coaching you. So my book really becomes my business card. And that's another reason why people should look at doing books. It's a way of getting yourself in there, share all of your knowledge, and then people get an idea of your style, of what you think, of how you work, and then they can see if that's something that they would like to take further or not. And in the meantime, maybe you would have learned a bit and got entertained through the book too. Nice. Tanya, thanks a lot. It's been nice uh, chatting with you. Uh, Good luck with all your endeavors and uh, cheers and good luck and bye. Thanks very much, CJ. Cheers, everybody. Bye now. Bye.